Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We appreciate WGNS providing the airtime. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Today, in our Cold Case Profile segment, we will highlight three separate homicide cases. They are the murders of Cedric Herbert, William Greg Hawkins, and Nathan Morgan. I will be joined in that segment by Detective Sergeant James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department and former District Attorney General and my former co-host of this program, William C. Weitzel, Jr. Then, on our Inside the Court segment, General Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. On our Call to Conviction segment, we will highlight a case from 1998. It is the murder of 43-year-old James Marion Creel. You are listening to this special edition of The Action Line on WGNS. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. In this season of giving, don't forget to give to your pet. Here at Animal City, we would love to help you with your pet needs. Your small animals might prefer a larger living space, your reptiles might like some new decor, and your other pets might like some new toys to keep them entertained. Right now, all of our Animal City departments are overflowing with new and exciting toys. Dog toys, bird toys, cat toys, we have them all. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Catch the Dell Wamsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-70s. Southwest winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies and a low near 51. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. On June the 15th, 2009 at 9.17 a.m., the Murfreesboro Police Department respond to a frantic call. The nature of the call was a possible burglary at an apartment complex on East Northfield Boulevard. When officers arrived at the scene, 
they see that the apartment door had been kicked open. Inside, they meet the lady who had called the police. She told officers that she lived in the apartment and that earlier that morning, present in the apartment were herself, her small child, and Cedric Herbert. At about 8 a.m., she left the apartment and took her child to daycare. She went on to say that when she returned, she discovered the body of Cedric Herbert. The police investigate. They determined that 24-year-old Cedric Herbert had been shot to death. Police now believe that someone or a group of individuals forced their way into the apartment and shot and killed Cedric Herbert. Robbery may have been the motive. According to family members, Cedric Herbert had a large sum of money on him the day before the murder. Why he was killed remains a mystery. His killer or killers remain at large. Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department has reopened the investigation. He is now asking for your help. We are pleased to have with us today in the WGNS studios, Detective James Abbott. Detective Abbott, I'm always very careful when releasing information on any pending investigation, so I always leave the minute details to the investigators. Can you fill in the details regarding how Mr. Herbert happened to be in the apartment on Northfield Avenue that day? Well, Mr. Herbert and the young lady that lived at the apartment just started seeing each other. And that he'd come over earlier that morning, uh, sometime around 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, to uh, see her and had fallen asleep on the couch. When she arrived home, she found him laying face down in the bedroom, suffering from multiple gunshots. Tell us why you are taking another look into this case. In these kind of investigations, you always kind of, especially on your cold cases, you go back. But as we like to sometimes say, we're past the CSI phase of these type of cases. Now it's getting these kind of cases out in front of the public and getting information from possible people that, that have heard things or people that may have known information but was afraid to come forward then. They may now be more willing to come forward. Are there any class of witnesses who you'd like to talk to, such as friends, co-workers, or other persons that might help you fill in the blanks? Yes, we'd like to speak with any friends of Mr. Herbert's, any associates of Mr. Herbert's, co-workers, anyone, family, anybody who may have information about this or information about his activities were and what he was doing up to about 48 hours to 72 hours prior to the homicide would be very helpful. Also, we'd like to speak with anyone who may have just heard what is sometimes called street talk. It would be great to hear from those folks that may have heard something from just someone who may have said, I heard this from someone who heard this from someone who heard this from someone. I know that you're a very experienced cold case detective and have worked some very good cases. What efforts has law enforcement made to get this case in the public's eye and ask for the public's assistance in solving this crime. Again, we're doing this show this morning, uh, which is a, a great tool, especially the local level, to maybe try to get the information out. And we're also working with our public information officer uh, using social media, and we're going to try to get this out on the social media sites as well. What can you tell us about Cedric Herbert or the apartment complex or anything that might help a listener think, oh, I remember when that happened? The apartment complex is over on East Northfield, and it is near uh, the intersection of Highland and East Northfield. Mr. Herbert was a gentleman that lived here in Murfreesboro. He lived actually out on Bradable Pike area, but he resided a lot with this young lady from what we understand now when he first started seeing her there at the apartment. But Mr. Herbert would oftentimes be seen with friends over on Academy Street and also around Eagle Street. So people may remember Mr. Herbert from those areas as well, Mr. Cedric Herbert. 
If anyone has information regarding who killed Cedric Herbert, who should they contact and what phone number should they call? They should contact myself or any member of the Murfreesboro Police Department, but the Murfreesboro Police Department's Criminal Investigation Division. They can call uh, me, Detective James Abbott. My number is uh, 615-893-2717, or they can also call our local Crime Stoppers. Detective Abbott, we want to thank you for being here today, and we want to thank you for the job that you do. On the morning of October the 16th, 2015, Brandy Hawkins and her father, Greg Hawkins, were fishing near the Mona boat ramp in Rutherford County, Tennessee. After a few hours on the water, they decide to head back to shore. Brandy remains in the boat while her father exits to walk back to get the trailer. Brandy Hawkins loses sight of her father as he walks away and into the parking lot. The time is about 11 o'clock a.m. It is then that Brandy Hawkins hears what she believes to be gunshots. She rushes to the parking lot, and there she finds her father. Greg Hawkins has been shot, and it appears his truck has been burglarized. Greg Hawkins dies that day. This case remains unsolved. Greg Hawkins was a valuable member of the community. He was an engineer at the Nissan plant in Smyrna, Tennessee. But he was more than that. Greg Hawkins was a devoted Christian. He was a husband, a father, and a brother. His family and friends have suffered a tremendous loss. We are asking for your help. Law enforcement and the Hawkins family wants to know why he was killed. And they want to know who killed him. A large reward has been offered in this case. If you have any information regarding the murder of 53-year-old Greg Hawkins, please call the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office at 615-898-7770. Or you can call Crime Stoppers at 615-893-STOP. Your call to Crime Stoppers is confidential. On May 22, 2010, Nathan Morgan Jr. was visiting friends at 1401 Eagle Street here in Murfreesboro. Just after midnight, shots were fired into the crowd that was gathered in the front yard. Three people were struck by the gunfire. Louis Sweeney of Nashville was treated at Middle Tennessee Medical Center for injuries to the neck and shoulder area. Byrus Hughes of Murfreesboro was also wounded and was treated and released at a local hospital. The third person shot was Nathan Morgan, Jr. Mr. Morgan was pronounced dead that night at Middle Tennessee Medical Center. Through the investigation, it was learned that one or more persons fired the shots from an outside area of the residence next door to 1401 Eagle Street. The weapon appears to have been a rifle, and multiple shots have been fired. Nathan Morgan, Jr. left behind a family that included his mother, his sister, and a daughter who misses him each and every day. Law enforcement and the family of Nathan Morgan, Jr. now ask for your help. Violent crimes will continue as long as good people remain silent. If you have any information regarding the murder of Nathan Morgan, Jr., asking for your help today is Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department. 
you can contact Detective Abbott by calling 893-2717, or you can call Crime Stoppers at 893-STOP. Detective Abbott, in listening to my presentation of the case summary, are there any facts that I need to correct or any facts that you would like to include for the public's consideration? Based on the statements and information gathered and cooperating evidence that we have, we know that there are some other facts out there that we now know. One of these is being that we do have a person of interest who has been identified and has been identified through cooperating evidence and information and statements given by individuals. We know that there was a phone call or a series of phone calls made before the shooting uh, and after the shooting. And we believe that these phone calls that the individual discussed the shooting, those are facts of the case that we need people to hear about and try to generate more leads and get those people who received those phone calls to come forward. Can you describe cooperation of the public in general during this investigation? We received cooperation from the public, but we would not be to this little point now without that cooperation, knowing that there was these phone calls made uh, and that pointed us into the direction we needed to obtain the evidence, cooperate all this information. We feel that these people probably or someone has talked about what the conversations were to other people and, and we're needing them to come forward. Can you describe for us the cooperation you've received from the family during the investigation? The family has been very supportive. They understand that this is a process. Uh, sometimes it can be a long process, but at the same time, uh, it's gone on too long, and they're wanting closure. I understand that and feel for a family who has to go through this. They've been very supportive. Anything that we've needed, any type of assistance, they do everything they can to help us, and they understand that, again, this is a long process, and they understand that sometimes our priorities are taken away on other more immediate cases, but again, they you know they know that we will refocus back on this case. Ms. Pringle and me, myself, we, we discuss this case. We talk about it probably monthly, sometimes even weekly. So she'll call me, or if I have some new information, I will call her. And that's really good that, to have her still communicating, still staying in touch with us about the case. Also, while I was preparing and going on the Internet, it was quite easy, and, and I, I recommend for the listening audience, if they want more information, to go on the Internet. And if you simply put Nathan Morgan Jr. in as a Google search, you'll come up with several articles that were published in the paper. You'll also find YouTube videos. And I saw one that where you were the featured person. Can you tell us how you set that up? Yes, we did a reenactment, which is part of a Crime Stoppers commercial, which uh, ran here in Rutherford County, which can still be seen on YouTube. And when we did the reenactment, we also held a press conference with some of the local TV media outlets uh, here in the area. So we try to get that information out through the press conference, through you still have it on YouTube and other various outlets. Also, we periodically continue to talk to people in the community or in the neighborhood where this occurred, trying to get some information, trying to put it back out there in front of people because we want to keep it out there in front of people. Because this is a case that we believe, based on information and evidence that we've already obtained, we believe that these phone calls were made. We just need to find those people that talk to this individual or, or individuals that talk to these people, friend, family member, anybody who will come forward and talk to us. This is a case, I believe it is solvable, with the right one or two people that would come forward. This case could be, I believe, in front of a grand jury very quickly. So this is not just a case where we're just sitting here and we have no clue whatsoever. Like I said, it is a very solvable case. I feel that the right people will come forward. I believe General Weitzel may have a couple of questions for you. Paul, uh, you know this. James, I know you know. It's very important on these cases as they get age on them. We want people to know that we don't forget about them. 
And as you mentioned, it is very important to, for the family to keep in touch and also for us to keep in touch with the families. We've got somebody out there that's a murderer. And I know people are sometimes fearful. They're afraid if they give information or something that something may happen to them. And certainly I can understand that. But we need people to come forward and put a violent person behind bars. If this person is arrested and charged and convicted, everybody knows that. And hopefully it would make somebody think twice about taking a human life. And so it's dedication on the part of the police and the investigators, but it's also a dedication on the part of our citizens to be a part of the process because without them, we cannot pursue, arrest, and prosecute these cases. And they're responsible just as much in a way as the police are for making their community a safer place. So I would certainly urge anyone with any information on this or other cases to come forward. Sometimes the world can seem a cold place, so we gotta bring the warmth to it. Sometimes the world can seem a broken place, so we gotta strive to fix it. At the end of the day, we are empowered to create the world we wanna live in. So we prepare for the worst, but we must always, always expect the best. Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Hey, Ray Magliozzi here. I don't know about you, but my car can use a few upgrades. I mean, the eight-inch tear in the driver's seat does have sentimental value since my butt has molded to fit it, but I'm ready to move on. My solution, eBay Motors. They've got all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them, from seat covers to whole new seats. When I get that new seat, I think I'll put the old one in the living room, right next to the minivan seats, or as we call it, the sectional. eBay Motors, let's ride. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. Our case study today has several intriguing aspects. It reminds us of the challenging conditions of the homeless experience, an experience which often magnifies the basic instinct for survival an experience where every day is a struggle, and every struggle is followed by another new challenge. And with every new challenge, there is the realization that even if you overcome today's challenge, tomorrow's challenge may be your last. Our case study begins on a Saturday morning. The date is June the 6th, 1998. The location is a homeless encampment located under a bridge on Old Fort Parkway in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
According to the witnesses, it is approximately 10 a.m. when 43-year-old James Marion Creole walks into the homeless camp. Present in the camp are Philip Barnes, Bill Perry Muse, and 57-year-old Charles Durwood Fusel. A short time later, Charles Fusel stabs and kills James Creel, and everyone flees the scene. James Marion Creel's body was located the following day. The body was transported to the medical examiner's office in Nashville. Dr. Charles Harlan conducted the autopsy. Dr. Harlan determined that James Marion Creel had suffered 32 stab wounds. The stab wounds were to Creel's chest and back and lacerated his aorta, both lungs, and the spleen. Meanwhile, the Murfreesboro Police Department had located witnesses to the stabbing, and the police had developed a suspect. The suspect was located and interviewed. He was 57-year-old Charles Durwood Fusel. In less than 48 hours from the discovery of the body, Detective Major Mickey McCullough and Detective Lieutenant Greg King charged Charles Fusel with the murder of James Creel. On June the 18th, 1998, Charles Fusel was brought from the Rutherford County Jail to the General Sessions courtroom of Judge James Buckner. He was there for his preliminary hearing. Representing Fusel was Assistant Public Defender Brian Payne, and representing the state was Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. At the hearing, Newman called two of the men who were present in the homeless camp to testify about the events leading to the death of James Creel. The two men testified that after Creel entered the camp, that Creel and Fusel began to argue. They also said that during the argument, Fusel produced a knife and began stabbing James Creel. There was also testimony that after James Creel was on the ground, that Fusel continued to stab him repeatedly. Later, Detective Lieutenant Greg King testified. He told Judge Buckner that when James Fusel was arrested, that Fusel claimed that James Creel had attacked him and that Creel had injured him. However, when Lieutenant King examined Charles Fusel, he found no evidence of any injury. Following the hearing, Judge Buckner sent the case to the Rutherford County Grand Jury for its consideration. Judge Buckner also ordered that Charles Fusel be returned to the Rutherford County Jail to await the grand jury's action, and that he should remain there without bond. When we return, we will tell you more about the murder of James Marion Creel and the prosecution of Charles Durwood Fusel. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans. 
shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero, Norm Elzir. We talked to a World War II veteran. What would be the closest moment to death? Was that being shot down that one time? Were you ever oh, captured or anything like no, that? No, we weren't captured. I landed in a tree and I was unconscious. I woke up, there were three rifles pointed at me. Strange uniforms. One guy says, Englishki, Amerikanski, Germanski. And I said, American. And he cut me down and hugged me. These were the Chetnik people that took care of us. That was really something. There was a guy by the name of General Draza Mihalovich, general of the king's army, and the king was deposed by the Tito, the communists. But this general told his people, you take care of the Americans. He always did that. Tell us how you got rescued. gentleman by the name of Vajoinovich, he was in the OSS, which is the CIA today. They had put together this idea of coming in and getting us with airplanes. They come in with C-47s. Each C-47 had six P-51 escorts. And they come in, it was about one in the morning, and I was on the first plane out because I was sick at the time. That's what this book, The Forgotten 500, refers to. They actually flew out over time, 500, saved us. And all of our names, there were rescues in the back of that book. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and better known. In August of 1998, Charles Durwood Fusel was indicted by the Rutherford County Grand Jury for the murder of James Marion Creel. Fusel's case was assigned to the courtroom of Judge James Keeble Clayton, Jr. The Public Defender's Office continued to represent Charles Fusel. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. After several months of intense negotiation, on Thursday, January the 26th, 1999, Charles Durwood Fusel was brought from the Rutherford County Jail to the courtroom of Judge James Keeble Clayton, Jr. Charles Fusel was there to enter a plea to the charges brought against him for the murder of James Marion Creel. Charles Fusel told Judge Clayton that he had decided to enter into a plea agreement instead of facing a jury. On that date, Charles Fusel pled guilty to second-degree murder for the brutal stabbing and killing of James Marion Creel. Pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge Clayton sentenced Charles Fusel to serve 20 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. Charles Fusel was 57 years old when he killed James Marion Creel. Under the law, Charles Fusel would not be eligible for parole until he is 77 years old.
You are listening to this special edition of The Action Line on your Good Neighbor Station, WGNS. When we return, Jennings Jones will take you inside the courts. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your district attorney, Jennings Jones, and in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and, of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. On February 6, 2021, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting at a duplex on Ewing Boulevard. At that residence, an altercation at a party had turned physical before multiple gunshots were fired, resulting in the death of 21-year-old Mr. Giovanni Gillis. Murfreesboro Police Detective Cody Thomas has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. During the course of his investigation, Detective Thomas interviewed two witnesses who identified Larry Johnson as the shooter. Upon conclusion of the detective's investigation, Larry Johnson II was charged with the first-degree murder of Giovanni Gillis. Following a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County on May 5, 2021, this case was bound over for presentment to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. Mr. Johnson is represented by counsel, Mr. Michael Flanagan, and currently remains in custody at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center. The state is represented by counsel, Trevor Lynch. On June 27th of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Mr. Biddle later died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Doug Arrington was assigned as lead investigator. Multiple witnesses were interviewed and evidence was collected from the scene of the crime. Upon the conclusion of the detective's investigation, it was determined that Albert Mustafa and Devante James went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. At that time, Mr. Biddle was a guest at the residence. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Before succumbing to his injuries, Mr. Biddle was able to return fire, resulting in Albert Mustafa sustaining a gunshot wound. Mustafa and James were charged with first-degree felony murder, aggravated robbery, employing a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, and conspiracy to commit the above. Mr. Mustafa is represented by counsel, Mr. Thomas Parkerson, while Mr. James is represented by Mr. Charles Ward. Both Mustafa and James remain in custody and await their next court date on November 23rd of this year. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On October 24th of last year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting that occurred at the intersection of North Tennessee Boulevard and Stonewall Boulevard. 
Officers discovered the body of Mr. Blake Bolton, who had sustained two gunshot wounds. Murfreesboro Detective Albert Miles was assigned as lead investigator. Detective Miles has charged Mr. Gilliam with the first-degree murder of Mr. Bolton. Following a preliminary hearing on March 23, 2021, the case was bound over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. The Grand Jury indicted Mr. Gilliam for the first-degree murder of the victim, especially aggravated robbery, burglary to an automobile, possession of methamphetamine with the intent to distribute, employment of a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, and conspiracy to commit the above. Mr. Gilliam is represented by Assistant Public Defender Jeff Burton. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Mr. Gilliam remains in the custody of the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center, awaiting his next court date on November 23rd of this year. On April 30th, 2018, the Laverne Police Department responded to George Buchanan Drive in response to a shooting. Emergency personnel transported the victim, identified as a juvenile, to Vanderbilt Hospital, where the victim died from their injuries. Also present at the time of the shooting were the victim's younger siblings. Laverne Detective Scott Hudgens was assigned as lead investigator. It was determined that the victim had been shot in the face while attempting to buy a cell phone that had been advertised on social media. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes lured the victim to that location with the intent to rob him. During the course of the robbery, either Mr. Berry or Mr. Hughes shot the victim in the face. The defendant has been indicted for first-degree murder, aggravated robbery, and conspiracy to the same. Brian Berry is represented by counsel Mr. John Slager, while Marquise Hughes is represented by Mr. Ben Wetzel. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial to begin January the 24th of next year. May 16th of 2017, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to reports of multiple gunshots in the area of Gateway Apartments. Witnesses reported seeing a black male fleeing the area on foot. Additionally, a gunshot victim, Kendrick Love, was located in front of one of the apartment buildings. Mr. Love later died from the injuries he sustained in the shooting. Witnesses on the scene established that the victim went to meet an individual for the purposes of selling marijuana. Additional witnesses identified the individual as Tyshawn Patterson, who matched the description of the males seen running on foot just after the shooting. Murfreesboro Detective Doug Arrington has been assigned as the lead investigator at this case. At the conclusion of the detective's investigation, it was determined that Mr. Patterson went to the alleged marijuana deal armed with a firearm and had the intent to rob the victim. Mr. Patterson has been charged with first-degree murder and attempted aggravated robbery. He is represented by counsel Mr. Kyle Parks. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is scheduled for trial to begin February the 22nd of next year. On the 26th of June, 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Walnut Grove Road, where the homeowner, Mr. Terry Barber, was found deceased on the floor with his hands and feet bound together. Lead investigator, Rutherford County Detective Steve Brown has charged three individuals, Devon Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Farrar, with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, and the fraudulent use of the victim's debit card. Following a preliminary hearing of the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County, this case was bound over to the grand jury. In June of 2020, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against all three defendants. Devon Gailey is represented by Mr. Luke Evans. 
Brent Ross is represented by Mr. Michael Jones, and Vernice Farrar is represented by Miss Amanda Gentry. A trial is scheduled for the dates of March 21st through the 25th of next year. I will be representing the state in this matter, assisted by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On July 26th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the residence of Mr. Eric Bixler. Upon arrival, deputies found Mr. Bixler deceased as the result of multiple stab wounds. A female companion of Mr. Bixler advised deputies that two armed men had attacked Mr. Bixler and held her at gunpoint while they searched the premises. The female heard Mr. Bixler being tortured by his assailants. Rutherford County Detective Ty Downing has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Following the detective's investigation, Mr. Christopher White and Mr. Christopher Robinson, both from Kentucky, were charged with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, especially aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, use of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, and tampering with evidence. After a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, the cases were bound over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In March of 2021, the Grand Jury returned a true bill against both. A trial date has been set for August 1st, 2022. On March 31st of 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence in Sunset Avenue. And once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmayor. Miss Montmayor has been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon conclusion of the investigation, lead investigator Detective Jacob Fountain with the Murfreesboro Police Department charged Mr. Montmayor with the first-degree murder of his wife. Mr. Montmayor appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, court bound the matter over for presentation to the grand jury. In November of 2019, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Montmayor for first-degree murder. Mr. Montmeyer is represented by counsel, Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. He remains in custody and awaits trial beginning May 9th of next year. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch and Dana Miner. On December the 8th, 2016, the Murfreesboro Police Department located the body of Francesca Gomez Cordero in a wooded area off of Elam Road. Francesca Gomez Cordero was a Hispanic female Based upon their investigations, Murfreesboro detectives have now filed charges against Romulo Hernandez Mayorga. Mayorga has thus far eluded capture. If you have information regarding this case or the whereabouts of Romulo Hernandez Mayorga, please contact Detective Doug Arrington of the Murfreesboro Police Department. The phone number to call is 615-893-1311. Again, that number is 615-893-1311. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. Turn your fingers into a microphone and talk back. WGNSRadio.com is Rutherford County's online source for what matters to you. WGNSRadio.com If you are the victim of domestic violence or know someone who is, contact the Domestic Violence Center for guidance and assistance. The Rutherford County Domestic Violence Center is located at 1423 Kensington Square Court in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The number to call is 615-896-7377. Also, the Domestic Center Hotline is 615-896-2018. That number again, 
is 615-896-2012. Domestic violence is a sad and deadly problem in our community. Do what you can to stop domestic violence. If you are abusing someone, stop and get help with your problem. If you witness domestic violence, be willing to support the victim and encourage them to ask for help. If you are the victim of domestic violence, contact family, friends, and the authorities. Remember, it is not your fault, and you are not alone. Please take steps to protect yourself from abuse before it is too late. As we end our program today, we want to thank our two very special guests. First, from the Murfreesboro Police Department, Detective Sergeant James Abbott. And we also want to give our special thanks to the former District Attorney General for Rutherford County and my former co-host for this program, William C. Weitzel, Jr. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, January the 7th at 8, 10 a.m. on your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe, and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.